I went to college. Did you go to college? How do you feel about college debt forgiveness? Obviously, I think you can guess how I feel about it, but let's talk about it. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Quick updates on some recent events and recent podcasts. First, and most importantly to me personally, based on my last podcast about anxiety and my chest pain and heart palpitations and all of that, I am super excited to say that I might have stumbled upon some answers, which is kind of funny because I, you know, I think I mentioned that I've just been praying for God's revelation and for him to show me and make it clear what my next move should be. And then he does. Prayer is such a blessing. So beginning of the month, I think I might have even said this. I'm trying to remember who I've told what to. You know how that goes. But um, I was walking along at First Fridays in Columbia, Tennessee, and I came across a table for a chiropractor up in Spring Hill, Tennessee, which for anyone who knows is about one hour from me which is not ideal. However, he got me because he, we started chatting this man at the table and he's from California because everybody is. And he used to sing for Disney. I do enjoy Disney. I was a theater person. Um, you know, all that stuff. I should say I did enjoy Disney. He and I had that same thought. All that to say, he sucked me in. We started chatting. He said that this chiropractic office that he represents is a neurologically based chiropractic office. I have been a little bit skeptical about chiropractic. I don't love the popping, snapping. I know for all you chiropractic people, it's not snapping bones and all of those things. Like it's really great and all the things I've heard, I've heard it. Um, People love chiropractor or people absolutely want nothing to do with chiropractic. I feel like those are the two extremes. There's no middle of the road (laughs) on chiropractic care. I have been open and intrigued by it. I did a brief stint going to a chiropractor pre-2020. I have gone to random chiropractors maybe three times since 2020 to just align my neck because my neck is so messed up. Anyway, he was offering a great deal on a neurological assessment. I'm like, what is a neurological assessment? He said, well, you know, so much is going through the nervous system. And I, you know, oftentimes the medical approach is to go to the symptom and and what is the source of the symptom and try to go there. So for example, in my case, the heart palpitations and chest pain would indicate heart. So I've had a number of tests done on my heart and only to discover my heart is perfectly fine. And so great news, except for I have no answers, right? Well, he's like, let's go a step further. What is communicating information to your heart, your nervous system, your brain, your spine, chiropractic, right? I'm like, I'm with you. Then he starts to say anxiety, all of these things that seem absolutely unrelated to chiropractic can in fact be related to chiropractic. I'm in, you sold me, it was like 20 bucks to get an assessment. I go up to Spring Hill, I'm feeling a little bit like this is really far from my home, maybe this is not what I wanted, but I will say, and I think I said this on the other podcast, that two people or three people in one day had told me perhaps from COVID I had 
a nervous system injury, maybe even with the vagal nerve, which is kind of in that um, just below your rib cage place, right? And in, in the middle of your kind of torso is where your vagal nerve is. And so it was interesting that he's talking about nerves, you know, the nervous system and communication with the nerves and all of that. So I was very open. They did a very lengthy <laughs> six x-rays, two different muscle infrared nerve tests, a number of assessments of me physically, took my full medical history, all of the symptoms I've been having from, you know, top to bottom hearing loss, vertigo. I mean, I've had all kinds of things in the last couple of years. So um, went through that and then I had a week before I went back to meet the doctors and kind of see what my case was based on all of the tests that I had done and blah, blah, blah. And I was really just like, Lord, I don't know, like, should I even go back? Am I committing to driving an hour to this place? Blah, blah, blah. But I just felt like, you know, go hear it, hear them out, see it through. What's what? Go to the thing this week, the assessment or the, you know, results of my assessment, if you will, met the doctor. Um, she did, a, she requires everybody, all the new patients take a little test, not a test, a class on chiropractic care to understand exactly what I'm explaining to you, how the nervous system is related to all of these various things that oftentimes people are experiencing with no known cause. Like, why are we feeling anxious? Well, I don't really know. Why do you have the chest pain? We can't really figure it out. You know, why are you having trouble sleeping? It's unclear. Why do you have headaches? Well, I don't know. You know, like all of these symptoms that really we don't know the cause of, she was explaining all the things I already explained to you. So I was like, oh my goodness gracious. And then she said, who in here has gone and gotten every medical test done for the symptoms you're experiencing only to be told you're fine. Everything's great. And I'm raising my hand like, please, Lord, tell me you can help me. So I go in for the results of my test and discover that I, my mid back actually has multiple bone spurs, which just to jump to the front of the information for you is bad news bears. That's actually an indicator of like a 60 year old spine in this one section of my spine. I'm not 60 years old. And I could see them very clearly on the x-ray myself with my own eyeballs. And I was like, oh my word. She said, what do you see on here? I said, are those my discs or are those the bone spurs? And she's like, those are bone spurs. And I was like, you said that was really, really bad in the class. And she's like, that's really, really bad. And then she said magical words to me. And yes, I am very excited and putting a lot of like excitement in her words, I will be honest. But she said, I am pretty confident that that is what is causing your chest pain, your heart palpitations, your anxiety, like all of these various symptoms in my mid back. That's where all these signals are sent from my nervous system. They wrap around to the front of the chest. I almost cried because I was like, first of all, it's great to know that there could possibly be a physical cause. Um, and it's not just in my mind and I'm making it up. And secondly, it's great to know that there's a path forward. Like there's a plan I could possibly, you know, have a solution or feel better at the end of this. And so we did talk about a care plan and all of that. So praise Jesus. Of course, when we ask, you know, I'm putting it out into the world, praise God the answer is revealed or a, an answer or a possible answer. Anyway, I've had two adjustments this week. I actually feel quite great today after my second adjustment. I'm, you know, still having symptoms and stuff, but am feeling a little bit of relief and even just, you know, feeling like I'm, I'm being proactive and moving forward down a path that whether it corrects every symptom I have or not, I know is impacting my health in a positive way. So I'm feeling really optimistic and excited. So there you go. 
ask and you shall receive. Super excited about that update. In the political world, <laughs> in the news this week, um, we're looking at today kind of popping up some a lawsuit between Moderna suing Pfizer over you know, in intellectual property, essentially, that um, Moderna is claiming that Pfizer stole their vaccine from them, which they had pre-pandemic, which is also just interesting that you already had an mRNA vir uh, vaccine for a, you know, COVID or coronavirus, rather, like illness. Just kind of interesting that you're just going out, out there and saying that. But um, I just find it funny now that we're kind of seeing a, a twist in the narrative where the CDC, Fauci, are, is kind of just, just mildly distancing themselves from the vaccine. Here we see Moderna taking full credit and wanting all of the, I mean, I just see like raging pride in that. Not only are you not willing to recognize or admit that your product is flawed, now you're going to sue the other competitive be, competitor because billions upon billions upon billions of dollars of profit at the world's expense is not enough, you now need to sue the other corrupt company and get their money after two years of saying nothing about this and, you know, making sure that they have the profits, Pfizer, for you to now take. Makes me sick to my stomach, but hey, you do you, Moderna. If you feel like you can win that case and take full credit for this mRNA lethal injection, like the cookies are going to crumble however they crumble, and it's going to crumble more on your plate if you're the one that wants to take credit for this. The other thing we're seeing as a shift in this narrative is, and again, pride is to blame in this, the narrative is shifting where instead of, you know, claiming, I know the, the left side of the political spectrum really loves to say, and, and Biden even said when he came into office, there was not a vaccine. He said this about a year ago or more, that what when he came into office, he brought the vaccine. So he wanted to take credit for the vaccine. And the left has loved this vaccine and been very compliant with taking all their bedillions of boosters, right? And we're seeing now this strange little, you know what, push again to the other plate of, no, this was Trump's vaccine. All of a sudden we're seeing that, you know, reminder being put into the narrative that this vaccine actually was Trump's idea. Actually, some corners might have been cut in the authorization of this vaccine because of Trump's warp speed operation. And, you know, any issues that we might be experiencing with safety or with efficacy or whatever really falls on Trump's shoulders because he was in charge. He was president. He did the warp speed. And you know what? That's not wrong. That is true. Trump, in all his pride and ego, and here I am backpedaling on Trump again, <laughs> I just can't decide. I just can't decide if I like him or not. I mean, I don't like him, but I can't decide if I want to be like, yay, Trump or not ever in my life. Um, because here I'm going, what is, you have championed Trump. You have championed this terrible medication since the get-go up into today. He, even though all of, you know, all of the studies have come out, we're seeing negative efficacy in this product. We're seeing myocarditis in young people to staggering degrees. We're seeing the, um, what is that called? Excess death 
not just elevated, but significantly elevated in the 18 to 65 year old age bracket. And we're seeing it still climbing, which is to say that more people are dying right now. More people are dying now than were dying during the pandemic of all cause, all cause excess mortality. This is a measurement of what is average from one year to the next that we see people dying in this country. It's elevated more in 2021 than it was in 2020. What did we have in 2021 that we did not have in 2020? Not COVID, the vaccine, right? We had the vaccine in 2021. We didn't have it in 2020. COVID is supposed to be the deadliest thing ever. We're supposed to be so afraid we shut our whole world down and, you know, crank out this medication as fast as we possibly can, shame everybody we know, wear masks for two years, you know, ground planes, you know, take pilots out of their jobs, kick the military out of its, you know, the whole upset of because of COVID. COVID is actually not causing the excess mortality. Experts are baffled at what is causing the excess mortality. That's just so weird. These experts always have such great reasonable, logical explanations for everything. Why are they so baffled at this excess mortality? The excess mortality in 2022 is now climbing even higher than the excess mortality was in 2021. Why is this big, giant, fat question mark? I believe we will know soon what that answer is for those of you who cannot play Jeopardy and fill in the gaps, the missing, it's not Jeopardy, what is it? Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, what am I talking about? Not Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. Know your primetime game shows, folks. Wheel of Fortune, where you fill in the missing letters on the words, you get what I'm saying. If you aren't good at that, <laughs> you might not know what's causing the excess mortality. But a lot of us have jumped ahead to the conclusion that they're going to draw for us eventually. But before they draw for us, they have to remove Fauci, right? They have to get him out of the way because I believe they're going to throw a lot of blame on him. They're also going to have to start to, you know, shift in the CDC, and we're seeing that happen as well. There's actually been a new government organization created and elevated to the level, actually, I don't know what it's called, but it has been elevated to the same level of authority as the CDC and FDA, because I was just thinking we need another government organization, and the, uh, whatever this is called, whatever this new government um thing is called is now going to be in charge of pandemics moving forward. So we're taking that authority away from the CDC. Why would we be doing that? Oh, because we're about to sell the CDC down the river. We're, we're lining all this stuff up. Of course, this is all my assumption. I'm jumping ahead. We'll see if I'm a fortune teller and know what's happening. But CDC is shifting, Fauci's getting out of Dodge, and we're seeing this push over to it's actually Trump's fault, y'all. We saw Trump raided right? We're seeing every single thing we could possibly do to make Trump lose favor in the public opinion, which of course is backfiring on a astronomical level. People are more motivated to vote for Trump now than they ever were before, including people who did not like Trump, including people who did not vote for Trump before, including people who are middle of the road and were not going to vote at all, are now very, very motivated to vote for Trump. Now we're seeing also, sidebar, and the reason why people are more motivated to vote for Trump, we're seeing the FBI, another three-letter agency of the government that we love so much, fall from grace, not just with the raid, but now Zuckerberg went on, uh, uh, what's his butt, Joe Rogan's podcast 
and said that the FBI was the one who told him to block the Hunter Biden laptop story on Facebook before the election. Okay, so now we're throwing that, throwing the FBI under the, the bus on that one. We're just seeing, um, that's again, I bring that up to say that is another reason why the masses are rallying behind a Trump presidency because um, the FBI, the DOJ, are being weaponized against him, which make people actually like him more or want to root for him more. He's like this underdog that just cannot be sunk, right? All that to say, now we're seeing this little push of this vaccine that we're about to, you know, it's about to blow up. We're not going to be able to keep brushing this under the rug forever. They're trying to push it into um, Trump's lap and blame him. That's my guess. So that's what we're seeing happening in the political spectrum around the COVID jabs in this last week or two or three as things are unfolding. It's just a very interesting time to be on earth. It's a very interesting time to be a Christian. Oh my goodness gracious, thank God that God is on the throne and he's in control and he knows all this was going to happen and it's part of his perfect plan and that gives me faith and peace and confidence to know he is a good God and he's got a good plan and we do not have to worry about it, but that does not mean that we do not need to pray. It does not mean that we don't engage. It does not mean that we hide our head in the sand. It is good to be informed so that we can respond appropriately, pray appropriately, help appropriately, serve appropriately, etc., etc. Last thing I want to talk about today is um, college loans, because <laughs> this is just such a fun little topic. I went to college, for those of you who don't know, I went to college at San Diego State University, SDSU, go Aztecs. And I went, actually, I, um, am a, I'm young for my grade, or I was, so I ended up starting college as a 17-year-old, okay? Went to uh, college for four years, studied performance, uh, well, studied theater with an emphasis in performance for four years, graduated cum laude or whatever, how you say that, fancy grades, right? I did really well. I did so much of that via school loans. Both my mom took out loans for me as well as I took out personal loans for me. To this day, I graduated in 2005 from college. It is now 2022 and I still have just under $3,000 in school loans <laughs> that I'm slowly paying off because they allow for you. It's a, you know, it's a fixed interest loan. So I'm not, you know, it's not like it's a fluctuating interest. It's the same. I, I would hate to even go back and look how much I actually paid them for my education. That matters exactly zero in my life today with all the interest tagged on for all of these years and the deferments, you know, when I was unemployed for a season, you can defer. When you're still, you know, studying, you can defer again. Like there's a million ways you can defer paying for your loans. They're not, they're, they're a burden. I hate them. They're still there. They never go away, but it's not like they're impossible to pay. It's just going to probably take your whole life. <laughs> All that to say, never one time did I I, I won't say I um, regret going to college because I think regrets are a waste of time and I had a great experience and all the things that people who go to college say. Was it valued in my life, the, the amount of money I paid for it? Absolutely not. Unequivocally net valued at the cost financially that I paid for this education. 
Was it worth it financially? No. Was it a good experience? Sure. You know, did I make a thousand horrific choices that could have ruined my entire life? 100%. Will I advocate for my children to go to college? Not at all. Not for one second. Already telling them you will not go unless it is absolutely necessary for the career that you know for sure you're going to do. And only if it is basically going to result in a career field that will pay you an amount of money that makes sense for the investment that you're going to make in your education. I also don't plan to, you know, take out loans or give my child a lot of money to go to college, call me selfish, whatever. I believe that my parents at the time that I was going to college really didn't have a choice because it was absolutely expected that the children my age when I was graduating when I was graduating high school were expected to go to college period end of story didn't matter what you studied didn't matter if you finished you were to go even if you were going to community college I would be willing to bet that the people who went to community college like my husband are doing way better than those of us who went straight into a state school or heaven forbid, a UC or you know a university, a higher level university school, or heaven, heaven forbid, a private university that costs God knows, and heaven, heaven, heaven forbid, a higher education to get your master's or your doctorate that was not online. What is funny to me is all of these things with the exception of very few professions are available online at a much cheaper rate and yet we're sending our kids away to school to be on campus to eat food that's terrible you know to um have terrible sleeping habits to have terrible studying habits to potentially make terrible choices that would shape the rest of their life my pastor at our church here in tennessee has said from stage multiple times, which I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying this, that, you know, he poses the question, why on earth is it normal in our culture, in our church culture, no less, like for Christians to do this? It, secular world, every decision you make makes sense to me because you have no guiding principles, because there is no God, there is no truth, there is no value system to measure your choices against, so everything makes sense in the secular world, but I always am given pause in the church, in the Christian world, as to why we're making our choices. When we do have guiding principles and values and the word of God and truth and all of these things that are meant to guide our story. So he's posing, why does, why does the church, why do Christian parents send their children at 17, 18, 19 years old away from their church family? away from parental influence, away from their peers that they've had for a very long time, away from their comfort zone, away from accountability, into a world where it's like free for all, be exposed to whatever you want, make any kind of choice you want. There's no accountability for you. Why are we doing this? Why is this like the cultural norm in the church, in, in Christianity? And again, I think that the answer would be because everybody did it right? Because that's the normal thing. This is the same reason why a lot of Christians still have their kids in public school, because that's what everybody does, because nobody will judge you, because nobody will think a thing about it. Does that mean it's the best choice? No, of course not. It's like the fallacy of the consensus. Just because everybody's doing it, you know, it's like if, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? Hopefully not, but gosh, I'm wondering now. <laughs> 
how many of us would because we are so anchored and chained to the consensus, to what is normal, to what everybody else does. And I think there's an element for both the parents and the student of pride and accomplishment in attending college. And I mean this to not not just undergrad. Of course, when I had been a student in a public school setting for, you know, 12 years of my life, At that point, being only 17 years old and 12 years of my life, somebody told me, if you do X, Y, Z, you can feel good about yourself. You can call yourself successful if you're pulling good grades and all that. You, here's when you need to show up. Here's what you need to do. Here's the assignments. Here's the time you are done. There you go. Then I'm, when I graduated high school, I was so happy to go right into the next step of somebody telling me. Here's when you show up. Here's what you do. Here's the assignments. Here's when you're done. Do that. You can go home on Christmas vacation and tell all your mom's friends how good you're doing because you're in college. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you're studying. It doesn't matter if that's a real field. You know, like we make the joke of underwater basket weaving, gender studies, liberal arts, like these random, very broad stroke, you know, I won't even say careers, uh, degrees. What career is liberal studies? What career is that? You know, it's it's teaching. Like, you can go to school to be a teacher. Okay, that's fine. We do need teachers, right? But, like, in the state of Tennessee right now, there's a new law passed that you do not even have to have a teaching credential to be a teacher in this state <laughs> because there is a crisis of employment because... For whatever reason, people no longer want to be in public school. That's so weird why people would quit public school teaching after the last two years. I just can't even imagine why that would be a thing. So that's that's not even a thing now. You don't even have to go to college to be a teacher. In my state, I'm sure we'll see that happen with other careers and in other states. And yes, I think that's another part of the problem is so many careers started requiring a college education, which is part of the scam. When really, what is employment, but you're marrying yourself, your future, your finances, your everything to somebody else's decision making. When I was an employee, somebody else told me how much I was worth. Somebody else told me how many days I could be sick in a year or how many days I could take vacation in a year or how many times I had to ask permission if I wanted to go on a field trip or take my child to the dentist or what have you. I had to ask permission to do the things that were important in my life. That's employment. In the 50s, we were teaching everybody, you want to be an entrepreneur. And it was flipped. You went only went to school if you were going to start your own business. And most of the time, and this is true to this day, entrepreneurs don't go to college. They just start doing the thing. They just start working. The most uh, successful at the youngest age of, peop- of my peer groups are the plumbers, are the welders, are the electricians, are the people who are doing a skill that they just went straight into. Even my husband, firefighting, police, like you can just walk straight into those professions, go to like a trade school for it, have that skill set, and then you can be an entrepreneur. You can start up your own business. You can be an independent contractor. You can set up your own schedule. You could do whatever you want from there. That used to be the norm. And now we're seeing that flip and everybody has to go to college just to get a job, right? I think we're going to see that correct. We're already seeing that correct, but I think we're going to see that correct more and more. The other thing I saw is with the students, going back to the pride of the student 
being in college allowed for me to say to my parents something that made me feel successful, right? I'm going to college. I'm in my third year, whatever. Doing great. Having a good time. Going to Europe. Blah, blah, blah. What happens when you graduate college? I graduated in four years. I remember feeling the most lost of my life. And I know this is not just me. This is actually a pollable, you know, uh, phenomenon. When you graduate school and you're done with school, the depression rates go through the roof. Anxiety goes through the roof. Feelings of purposelessness go through the roof. And I can absolutely relate to that. I had absolutely no idea what to do with myself. College did not prepare me to be a grown-up. <laughs> it did not prepare me for life at all. Actually, I feel like I got zero life school skills from my education at large. I didn't learn how to cook. I didn't learn how to balance a checkbook. I didn't learn a thing about personal finance. I learned about economics. I didn't learn a thing about personal finance. I didn't know how to manage the debt that I had just been <laughs> saddled with tremendously. I didn't ever go to a resume writing class. I didn't know how to sell myself, how to get hired for the crazy job I needed that wasn't going to be in theater because you can't make money to pay off your debt when you're in theater. Turns out I learned the hard way. So what happened to some of my friends who graduated with theater degrees with an emphasis in performance? They went back to school because they couldn't figure out how to be a grown-up. And I'm not being critical. I actually... A lot of us do this, and a lot of us end up going back to school for something we didn't even study in our undergrad. The, the four years and all the money that's attached to that degree actually is going to carry over exactly zero into my now master's degree or doctorate or whatever higher education I'm going to achieve. In some cases, people get multiple masters, multiple, multiple doctorates, which hurts my brain for how much money that's costing versus the value it's adding to their life. Very few instances is that going to be value equals the cost. Very few careers, the value equals the cost, right? But it allowed for you two more years, three more years, four more years of telling your parent, your parent, your parents' friends, I'm in, I'm getting my master's, I'm doing this. It didn't even matter in what you were doing it. It didn't matter in what career. This is what I ask every single young person who's in college. I have my babysitter for my kids. She's in college. I forget even what she's studying. I think it's actually changed more than one time, as it probably would because she's 18, 19, 20 years old. What do you want to be when you're done with that? Oh, I'm not sure. What do you want to do with that? Oh, I don't really know. I want to go back to school for this, but I really want to do this. Okay, those don't equate. That doesn't make sense. Well, I feel like I have to go back to school because I can't make enough money. We are just in an absolute trap and scam. And parents, I give us permission to start to equip our child, our children, with actual life skills. It has never occurred to me in all the years since college that I have walked with the burden of my debt from college that it is anyone else's responsibility but my own. Not one time has it occurred to me that it is anybody else's responsibility to pay off the debt from the decisions that I made as a young person who was misled to believe I needed to go get that debt to begin with. Not even my parents do I feel like it's their responsibility. As a matter of fact, not only am I paying off, I actually, the truth is, I did pay off my own personal loans that I borrowed long ago, but I took my mom's debt as well that she paid for my education and I'm paying her loans off because it's my education that I got that I decided to do. 
I mean, I could argue that I didn't decide to go to college. It was just expected of me and it's not my fault and it's somebody else's fault and all the things, but it just has not occurred to me to do that. I just don't understand where that logic lies that, and again, I guess it's because people don't understand that there, there, nothing is free. So like if your debt is forgiven, if your student loans are forgiven, it's not forgiven. It's just heaped on the, the burden of the taxpayers. Like government money, where do you think government money came from? Taxes, that's the only place. So that's exactly what you're saying if you are in favor of college loan debt forgiveness is that somebody else should pay for this. It's not my burden to bury or to carry. It is not my responsibility. I don't see the value in carrying this debt anymore, or it turns out that I don't want to do what I went to college for, or it turns out that the job I have now that I love doesn't actually pay great to pay off my loans. Like none of these things really matter. None of these things make it somebody else's choice. This is the, this is the true life skill of adulthood is that our choices have consequences. Our decisions have consequences. That's the, that's the biggest burden of adulthood, right? This is the steepest learning curve there is as we transition from child to adult that, or even from, from infant to child, that the decisions we make have consequences. And somehow along the line, somewhere, we've stopped teaching our kids this. We've taught them to be so wildly entitled that they would think as an adult that the consequences of their decisions is somebody else's fault or responsibility. Where did we go so wildly wrong? And here's the wildest part that was brought to my attention today by um, Dave Ramsey is we actually haven't made a path forward out of the problem that currently exists, which is astronomical, astronomical student loan debt that cannot be paid back. Let's say that today, this is from Dave Ramsey, all student loan from today behind us into the past is all forgiven. Anyone who has outstanding school loans from today backwards is forgiven. Lucky you, right? What happens tomorrow when every college on the face of the earth issues brand spanking new loans that are the exact same terms and conditions as the loans everybody else had that cannot be repaid, that are going to fall under the same exact cycle of too much money, not enough value, not enough income to be made on the other side of this degree, tons of debt burden that you're going to carry around for years and years and years. What about those people who start getting the loans tomorrow because we haven't changed the problem? We haven't changed our mindset around higher education. We haven't stopped telling our children to go. We haven't changed anything about the way that we get hired. So hypothetically, in this exact moment in history, it's still necessary to go to college in order to get the job. So you've got to go to the college, get the terrible astronomical loan you can't pay back to get the job that isn't going to pay off the debt. It makes no sense. And Dave Ramsey puts it, why are we continuing to make the same mess while we're cleaning up the mess. It's like trying to clean the house with kids in the house. It's like, why do you even try? Why do you even do it? Because the second you're done cleaning, it's a mess again. It's the same philosophy. We can't even be that forward thinking to recognize not just the burden that we're heaping on our future generations with the just atrocious tax burden. Like I've actually lost in I mean, you guys know I'm wildly pessimistic about our economy and the state of our dollar. We're still allotting for 
millions and billions of dollars to go to Ukraine. If anyone is still like waving a Ukrainian flag on their car bumper sticker or in their yard, you obviously have zero concept of what's happening in the world. It's such a play. It's such a game. It's such a corruption that it is not helping us at all. It's not helping Ukraine at all. <laughs> We're not winning. This is all, it's just all selling us down the river selling our dollar bills down the river, I do not know at all how we would ever come out of this. So really I'm arguing a point based on entirely just for us to contemplate. I'm not arguing against student loan forgiveness as a action because go ahead, Biden, pay off everybody's student loan debt. What difference does it make at this point? Because we've devalued our economy and our dollar so much, whatever. Actually, you know what? Why don't we forgive all the mortgages? Because those are really heavy too. Why don't we forgive all the credit card debt? Actually, let's forgive all the credit card debt. Then everybody can pay off their school loans because credit card debt, interest rates are atrocious. School loans are actually really manageable. We're looking at this the entire wrong way. If we're gonna just give away dollars and pay off everybody's debt, I can have some wild suggestions about it because what difference does it make? We've killed our dollar and our economy so dramatically that it's kind of a moot point, okay? I'm just arguing against student loan forgiveness as just a thing to talk about because of course it's a terrible idea, but whatever at this point with our economy, whatever, do it. But it's, I just don't understand the logic or the rationale why anyone would be for it, why anyone would feel that this is somebody else's fault or somebody else's burden to carry. So that's my two cents. I, like I said, am not encouraging my children whatsoever to go to college. My daughter kind of wants to be a vet. She's pretty much getting over it. But if she does want to be a vet, then she's probably got to go to college to be a vet. However, I wonder if she could work as a vet tech and then go into veterinary school or some sort of trade school to be a vet tech or a zoologist or some other thing. I don't know. Who knows what it's going to look like when we get there. I'm hoping there's more of a specialized method that she can go through. My church actually opened a college for the exact reason my pastor was talking about, to keep kids home at least for two more years, to get their associate's degree, still under the accountability and influence of their parents, their peers, their church, saving a tremendous amount of money, getting halfway to an undergrad degree, at least, my goodness, in a much more affordable and reasonable way to do it. Praise God for that. I wish we saw more churches doing things like that and encouraging that kind of decision-making in the church. Tremendous benefit. Theater, as my perfect example, I did not have to go to school for theater. I did not have to, it gave me no advantage. It gave me no advantage, even if I was still in the theatrical world. Yes, could I have then worked for a theater or directed a theater, like been in a, a theater director position? Sure, I could have done admin, I could have done a, a started a theater. It wouldn't have helped me at all to be an actor, which is the thing that I was going to school to be, an actor, right? Yes, I got some, I got better at acting, but you know how I also would have gotten better at acting? Acting, <laughs> being in shows, or going to a specific school for theater performance, which those exist as well, did not have to go to a state education. What did everybody say? Well, you need a backup plan. You need a backup plan. If I need a backup plan for my plan, then I'm not going to school yet. <laughs> I'm not gonna go to school. And because the thing I'm going to school for might fail me, so I need to go to school 
to have a secondary plan in case my first plan, which is the reason I'm going to the school, fails me. We're already projecting that we know this is not going to be valued. We know this isn't going to be valued. And what's so funny is I did go for my backup plan. I use none of it. None of it is relevant in what I do today. I didn't major in English. I'm a writer. I'm an author. I didn't major in telecommunication. I do a podcast and I'm starting a vlog. Y'all, that's happening too. Sidebar, a little plug. Um, or not starting, but continuing. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I didn't go to business school, right? I didn't go to business school. I learned how to be an entrepreneur and built a wildly successful business from the ground up by doing it with my own feet and hands, learning as I go, getting mentorship, finding coaches, listening to trainings, reading books. My husband is the CEO of a brand new tech company. He doesn't know a single thing about coding, does not know a single thing about the tech side. <laughs> That's why he has a partner who is the IT guy. Tom has ideas, right? These are the skills that you acquire that actually serve your life and they're fully free. They're the good old fashioned elbow grease kind of skills, right? You don't have to pay a tremendous burden that then your future great grandkids will have to carry because you decided, well, I made a bad choice, but then I thought maybe somebody else should pay for my bad choice. So that's all I have to say. That's all the beating of that dead horse. I know none of this is new for people who have you know, think of this obviously the same way I do. These are not brand new points. I just thought, I just can't believe we're still doing this, that we're still even talking about these wildly insane ideas. Again, the ideology is just so consuming. And again, to just a small note on that, I, a girlfriend of mine said that she was talking with um, someone on the other side of the political aisle from her about the prices of gas and he collectively without a second thought was like it's price gouging fully rejected inflation fully rejected the idea that when you overspend or when you shut down pipelines or when there's a war in the middle east or conflict in eastern europe that that could affect the price of gas no collectively across the globe oil carriers and gas companies are just price gouging like they just decided they got together and they were like, you know what? We're just going to start charging more because we're greedy and we're just going to ruin the world about it. Okay. That's what he thinks has nothing at all to do with Biden. Nothing at all, which it doesn't really, I mean, it does, but it doesn't nothing at all to do with our economy, nothing at all to do with anything that makes any logical sense. And I'm like, you know what you should have done, sir, is you should have paid for a large college degree and gone to an economics class because that would have helped you. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Lord, save us. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our pride. Save us from our ego. All of us, every one of us, from the least to the greatest. Break through, break in change our hearts. Lord, our scripture with my children this, this week is Psalm 5110. Give me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a loyal spirit within me. That's my prayer for all of us. Lord, just take our dirty heart, our dirty desires out. Give us a clean heart and renew our loyal spirit to you, Lord. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.